0: In the wonder of you, which I gave you, I'm like, okay, we have the shower, we have the hot tub, we have the bearskin rug, we have the couch. We have, they were snowed in. I mean, it was a while, but um, <laughs> you know, um, that they're learning about each other or their relationship's gone to a new level where maybe it's not just this hot, passionate attraction that's chemistry that they're like, oh, We've got way deeper emotions here, and trying to show that through them making love.
1: Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on! Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm Al Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive... <laughs> See what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Claire Marty is an award-winning USA Today best-selling author of swoon-worthy contemporary romance novels set. California including the Pacific Vista Ranch series and the Finding Forever and Laguna series. She lives in San Diego with her husband silly dog and two clever cats. Claire started writing stories as soon okay. as she was up to pick up pencil and paper. After graduating from the University of Virginia with a BA in English literature Claire was sidetracked by other careers including practicing law selling software for legal publishers and managing a nonprofit animal rescue for a Hollywood actress. Finally, Claire followed her heart and now focuses on two of her true passions, writing romance
0: and teaching yoga. Welcome, Claire, to Steam Scenes. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. So I guess we'll just start with the the big burning question. When did
1: you realize you wanted to become a writer?
0: Um... You know what? I've always written. I started writing stories. I recently found some old things from my childhood, and I have one that I wrote at the ripe old age of seven called The Cruel Swan, and I also illustrated it. So (laughs) I started young, um, didn't figure out that it would really uh, become a career until later, uh, much later. I'm not going to tell you how much later, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few decades, let's just put it that way.
1: <laughs> I love So do you, you have the story, like you actually physically have the story, your swan story? Yes.
0: I, um, last year got found, got my baby book back and there were some stories in there that I had written. There was another one about a hamburger, a <laughs> little girl eating the hamburger. So I must've been hungry. <laughs> then there was the swan I had one about a squirrel because we, um, we had a pet squirrel when I was a kid. Uh, a little baby fell out of the nest, and we nursed it. And when it opened its eyes, I was the first person that it saw. And so Squeaky <gasps> lived with us. So I got to have a little squirrel sleep with me, and it was pretty cool. Oh my god, I'm totally jealous right now. You had a pet yeah. squirrel. I did. Squeaky was pretty amazing. That is so cool. I and mean, he just ran around the house like a dog would, or did you have to yes. put him like in a tank with like like a gerbil? Oh, no. Or... He he um he ran around the house, and then what my parents didn't know at the time, and then he slept with me, like literally in the crook of my arm. But what he was doing behind the drapes in my bedroom was gnawing through the paint all the way down to the drywall. Oh, and I just kept the drapes. <laughs> so he basically destroyed everything in there um and then we started when he was a little bigger we started letting him out during the day and then I'd come home from school I grew up in Virginia and he'd run down from the tree and climb up and sit on my shoulder and go into the house with me so it was pretty amazing um I was nine that's pretty cool. That's really wild.
1: So he you could let him go during the day and yeah. he, he wasn't he wouldn't get hurt because that you know, I know that once they're like once they're not wild anymore, they can run into trouble if well, they go
0: out. He did, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I um yeah, he just was ready, but he would he would just hang out kind of in the front yard. But I think, you know, he was always a little bit of a runt. So that was very sad, but I didn't, you know. It's kind of a funny story. So, I wrote a story about a girl with a pet squirrel. and How long did you have him for? I love
1: this. I want a squirrel so bad.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> is the cutest thing, and they don't have them here in California. Um, probably about nine months. Oh,
1: uh, wow. Because, mm-hmm. you know, because I I lived in New York City for 20 years, and those squirrels you can hand feed yes. um, because they're just so used to people, and you can just hold something out, the squirrel will take it. Um, but, like to have one as a pet
0: that's so cool yeah it was uh it was pretty cool so um, that's the that's the i think that's the most exotic pet I've had besides cats and dogs <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever write
1: in these um these new these early books did you write a romance
0: um not not as a kid no um okay. but i did i fell into romance. At a probably way too young age, my, um, my mom was reading Rosemary Rogers and Kathleen wood which were quite racy historicals back in the day. And around the same time that I had Squeaky, I don't know if this was, I can't remember if this was happened at the same time, but I think I pilfered one of my mom's books and I was reading it under the covers with like a flashlight. And I didn't understand half of it because I kept saying, you know, and Steve took Ginny. And I was like, where did he take her? <laughs> <laughs> okay. because I didn't know but... what that was. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized that those books, you know, because the hero was the alpha hole or whatever you want to call him. And he was dark. And, but she was the one woman. And through her love, he was redeemed. So that, I think, explains my ex husband And two (laughs) (laughs) ex-fiances. Whoa. I was was always attracted to that very handsome, very, you know, um, kind of brooding hero. Right. And I was prided myself on being the one who, you know, would bring out his good side and touch his heart, which I would, but it still didn't make the bad part of him go away. <laughs> it yeah. took me took me to my 20s to figure that out. Yeah, I have a long history of bad bad boys. And yes, I blame that on my 9-year-old self reading those books. <laughs> so folks, wait till you're a little older and you understand what him taking you somewhere actually means. <laughs> Cuz he's not taking you to dinner necessarily. No. <laughs> or if he is you're not wearing your bodice. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh wow. All right. And next instance later. So, I, I have to, so I have to ask your your current husband, is he he's completely different than anyone I ever dated. And when I met him, um I was like, I don't know if I can date him. He's too nice. Wow. I'm going to be bored. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was I was worried and, you know, but I had done lots of therapy and all of that type of stuff. <laughs> and my girlfriends, like long-term friends were like, Claire, no, you just, you know, it doesn't have to, you know, and I was like, okay. And then he kept surprising me. Like I kept expecting, I was a little cynical at that point. I was like, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And he just kept surprising me in a positive way. Okay. And even like a year into it. I was saying something to my best friend, who's known me since I was fourteen, and she's. I was like, you know, some about like I had the upper hand. <laughs> she goes, no, Claire, Todd just knows how to handle you. And I was like, excuse me, I'm being handled. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, he just he's just like super steady, super cool, but he's very strong, and he's just right. so steady that you sometimes. I didn't realize that that was strength, if that makes sense. So he's just a perfect balance for me. We have so much fun. We laugh. And he's just, he's got my back, which is a really beautiful feeling, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, how long have you been married? Sorry for all the personal questions. Um, curious. i curious. know.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you can tell I'm such a closed book. At any Um, point though, you can just
1: be like, you know what, (laughs) shut up. Um, It's none of your damn business.
0: We got married in 2012. So this year will be nine years. And then we were together. We met in 2008.
1: Okay. Oh, cool. Well, congratulations. Uh, You you. know, after a couple of false starts, you finally get it right.
0: Right. That's kind of how I felt too. (laughs) Serial monogamy success story. Number 22. (laughs) I will make it work. I will make it work. I, I was like, well, I made it work, but I don't want it now. <laughs> so, let it go.
1: So while you're sort of like hiding under the covers with squeaky and your flashlight, reading your mom's <laughs> what, what, like, what drew you to it? Were you like, Oh, or, or were you just kind of like, eh,
0: at first,
1: or were you just like, uh, oh, good, I found my, I found my, my genre.
0: Well, you know, I was always a bookworm. Like, I mean, I was reading at a really young age and, reading, even in, in school, like in third grade, they sent me to be with the eighth graders for their reading class. Like I was, Ow. I just, it was just one of my, you know, I've just always been a bookworm and I love romance. I love the excitement and the thrill. And I love, um, you know, my favorite stories, there's always an element of a very strong banter. Right. Um, and connection with that little bit of humor and you know, I love the passionate attraction and I love the happy ending, you know, that that, um, that despite all the difficulties that they might encounter, just like in our real lives, that there's, you know, there's a happy ending there. And that I think it's super hopeful for all of us, right? That even yeah. if it isn't easy, um, <clears throat> and there aren't, ob- you know, the, the obstacles are what actually help you figure out where you're going to be happy. I don't know.
1: No, I I completely agree. You know, it's so funny because it's, I mean, it's so clear, but every author I ask this um, of, why do you love romance? And the answer is always, Oh, the happily ever after. Like there's no doubt. It's always about that happily ever after. And I think that that is so interesting because I like that, that it's always the same you know, because yes. everybody has different reasons for reading or different book styles or different tropes or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. But for everybody to come and and say, the reason I read romance is for the happily ever after across the board. I think that really says something.
0: Well, I think that, you know, life, life's difficult. I mean, we everybody's lives in different ways, even people whose lives look completely charmed from the outside. You know, we, life's a series of, of challenges and highs and lows and that's great, right? That's what, you know, the lows are where we grow and where we learn and the failures are where we grow and where we learn. And for me in romance, with that happily ever after would the way I write, I always start with the characters first and I, usually like one of them will come to me first like oh I've got this idea for this guy like who I'm writing right now and then I start to think about I'm like okay what's his wound why is he the way he is what's it going to take for him to to figure his stuff out and be happy and live his best life so then I come up with the heroin and it I can it goes in either order. It just depends on the story for me. Okay. Sometimes. I was I was about to say comes so oh, first. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> okay. you know, I had I had four older brothers and a lot of guy friends growing up and I didn't really have a mom, so I grew up with my father. So I'm kind, I can be kind of a dude. What? Okay. So you <laughs> had have, a very masculine energy yes. surrounding you. Yes, very much so. I did not come into my more feminine side till probably later in my twenties. Um, um I was very kind of, yeah. Um, but for, whether it was the hero or the heroine who I came up with first, <clears throat> I believe like in relationships is how we figure out our our stuff and our issues and, and find ways to heal our wounds or, you know, like that, like I was talking about my husband and I, you know, I can be a lot and he can be super mellow and it doesn't bother him that I can be a lot of energy or loud or here or there, he's just happy with it. Whereas maybe somebody else would be like, God, would you shut up? Or <laughs> it would make them competitive or, you know, that type right. of thing. So so I think we work out our issues and, and help figure our own stuff out through relationships, right? They're lessons, whether they're right. good ones or bad ones. So right. that's what I find interesting to play with in my books.
1: Oh, I, I actually really love that. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, sort of, you know, where do you find your inspiration for these characters? What, ju- is there something that jumps out at you, and you just are all of a sudden like, what's that spark?
0: Um, well, the first, you know, my debut was Second Chance in Laguna, and um, that was a second <laughs> was a second chance romance. If you couldn't tell by the title, <laughs> and, <clears throat> I um, and I have a lot that are have like the um the theme of carpe diem, like live for today. And just in my personal life, I've reinvented myself several times, you know, and, and it's possible. And there's often people who are like, nope, you made that choice. You're stuck with that. Just live your life and be miserable (laughs) type of thing, like maybe some different generations or what have you. And for me, I feel like there's always a second chance, like no matter how spectacularly you crashed and burned in one area. (laughs) you know you can have a fresh start. So for Sophie Barnes who was my heroine in my debut, she gets jilted at the altar and then finds out that her fiance was cheating on her and had been having an affair for 8 months so she questions her judgment. Like how did I not see this for 8 months and <clears throat> there's no nothing autobiographical about there. <clears throat> and um <laughs> fiance number one and, um, ex-fiance number one. And, um, so perhaps I borrowed that from life. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you <laughs> you left at the altar literally, like literally the day of wedding or was it before? No, I didn't get jilted at the altar. I found out about the eight month affair, double life that my ex was conducting. And, um, so I used that pain and that yeah. emotion. Um, which still, twenty years later, I could draw because it was so visceral, right? That someone could lie to you that way, and um, and so, you know, she gets jilted at the altar. But but then on top of that's bad enough. But then she finds out the eight month affair, so it makes her really question her judgment. Yeah. What am I doing? As opposed to he's just a jerk. He jilted me at the altar to find out that this double life was going on. And she didn't know. You really like kicked her while she was down. (laughs) Yes, I did. And so she's like, forget. And she's a magazine editor. And she's like, forget it. I'm going to go, you know, I've always wanted to write a novel. This is like a sign, you know, it's a sign from the universe that I just, everything's wrong. And I am just going to, I'm getting the universal boot from everything I'm doing. So she's like, screw it, I'm going to go up to Laguna, I'm running this cottage for a year, and I'm going to try and write the novel, and I'm not going to date for this whole year because men are horrible. you know. And that's sort of the premise, which is not an uncommon one in many romances, right? right. Um, the start fresh. So, you know, of course, her landlord's really hot. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, of course, he's never really been interested in anyone seriously because he has his own wounds from losing his parents at a young age. So he's, you know a player. But of course, he wants to, you know, Sophie's different. So it was, you know, my first one. And that story holds a really, you know, sweet part of my heart. So it was probably I borrowed from some autobiographical stuff, not not tons, but, you know, using emotional stuff from that. And then I created, you know, there was the stories are all connected. The next one is his best friend, um and his little sister and then the next one is Sophie's best friend and Christian this military guy who came back so they're all tied together in Laguna and you meet them all you know kind of the series so you meet them in the world and I like to play with I like to have strong um women friendships in all my stories too Mm -hmm. yep you know pulled in and you know they've got their their besties or that support person or that mirror who can tell them like you're being an idiot you know like stop <laughs> <laughs> wake up and stop lying to yourself like we all know this isn't gonna you know that kind of thing so um
1: so yeah. what made you decide to write the first one?
0: Um I have always wanted to so I I wrote a fair amount of nonfiction. So with yoga um I wrote a lot of articles for wellness and fitness and yoga and Pilates yep. and that kind of stuff and always wanted to write a novel and actually started like I wrote the first three chapters of this book with no clue what I was doing like 10 years ago or something, you know, right. but then it just would sit there and I didn't, I just didn't know what, what I was doing for a novel. So I would just keep editing those first few chapters and then never move on. And then we, um, My husband, for his work, needed to move to Denver from San Diego, which I really didn't want to do. And but I was like, okay, I'll make a deal with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will go if um, I go out, you know, I'll teach yoga and Pilates, and we're there. I go, but I want like the time and the space to try to write this first book. Um, Because when in San Diego, I was um, I didn't list this in my careers, but I was an associate professor at a community college here. So that took a lot of energy, and I just didn't have the emotional energy to write afterwards because I just would leave it all with the students. So um, when I got to Denver, I was like, okay, it's cold. I'm not going to go outside, and I don't have any friends. I guess I'll write. (laughs) 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 It was sort of a forced – you know, I had a lot more space because I was really overextended here and didn't yeah. know what to do. So I, 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 consciously took that space and, and, um, and that was it. So I finally, you know, I got really serious about it. I did a lot of studying at a craft and would do, you know, like these online workshops and get these books and try to figure it out. And um, so I wrote it and, and um, that first book I ended up get telling the series to a small press who, um, did that series, which, uh, was good because I needed that support, you know? Right. 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 But, um, yeah, that's really,
1: that's really amazing. Now I know that you are a cancer survivor. I hope this is Mm -hmm. okay. Can we talk about this a little bit
0: At, at what point did you, uh, did you become sick? So I, um, it was in 2010. Okay. And I had in 2009 I was a lawyer, which I hated, which we discussed before (laughs) and, um, don't need to go into that here. And then I went into outside sales, like corporate sales to attorneys. And that was a flexible position in the sense that I worked out of the house. So I started teaching yoga on the side because I I taught aerobics in college. I was a trainer. I've always had that physical aspect that I need, you know, Mm -hmm. some like half bookworm, half, you know, that. And, um, So I was teaching yoga on the side and I decided, I was like, I'm going to transition into teaching and writing. And at that point I was more focused on the nonfiction writing and getting bigger articles and national publications. And the, the novel was always in the back of my mind. So everything was going great. I, um, I was set to film for exercise TV, some classes. Wow. I had had set up my first yoga retreat to Nicaragua, like yoga and surfing to Nicaragua. I've led a lot of international yoga retreats. And um, so everything was rolling along really well. And then I found a lump. And um, that sort of put a screeching halt. I couldn't do the yoga retreat. I couldn't. Um, film for exercise TV because I had to have surgery and all that kind of stuff. So it sort of, it just put a big roadblock for a bit. And I had to, um, I had to slow down even though I kept teaching all through and I ended up, um, start, um, city of hope, which is a big cancer research hospital in the country based in Pasadena approached me to start an event called yoga for hope in San Diego so I started working on that and that turned into the biggest yoga fundraiser in Southern California. Like at the, wow. the sixth year, we had a thousand people practicing yoga at Petco Park on Center Field. And I was the MC and like the, fig, you know, the co-chair and I would also teach and we'd have other, you know, people would come kind of to raise awareness that yoga, you know, A, raised money for research, but B, that. Yoga and meditation are really powerful tools for people going through cancer and illness because yeah. it, it helped me so much. So that's also why I was so busy. When we moved to Denver, I would fly back for the event, but I wasn't in the middle of being a professor, or being a chair for this huge, you know, if you've ever done big events, you know how time-consuming they can yeah. be, especially when you're a volunteer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, that's when the – yeah, that's that was uh, when that all happened.
1: Oh, wow. So <laughs> you were – So you were kind of, but you came into writing sort of after your recovery or was it in sort of in the middle of it?
0: Um, I actually, uh, what, what ended up happening is when I was going through treatment, I started blogging and sharing my experiences. And I was very, you know, some days were really funny and some days were really raw Yeah, and, um, that started picking up some steam and people were like approaching me and telling me the blog had helped them understand what their sister was going through or helped them feel like they weren't alone in what they were experiencing, that type of thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so I ended up, um, what I did when we first got to Denver was I took the blog and I adapted it to a memoir. So I actually have a memoir called come ride with me along the big sea, um, to, to help people along. So I kind of, had joked like well you know being sick really helped me sort of sit still long enough to write longer if that makes sense
1: yeah it does because I I, one of the things that sort of struck me about your story and sort of that's why I was trying to piece together where the where the, the your sort of focus into your your next career your romance writing career was is that I found that oftentimes some sort of hugely impactful moment in somebody's life will because that's what happened to me will jar them into saying hey wait a minute this is what I really want to do you know and I think that that is so fascinating and compelling and 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 strong and you know and sometimes unfortunate that it has to take that sort of like big life-altering thing and it's usually surrounding health to make us sort of like get off that get off the grind and get down to what really the thing that really makes our heart sing.
0: No, that's very true. And it's, um, that was, you know, that, that opened that space up again of slowing me down. Cause I'm kind of those, you know, I, I, I like to get things done. I've done a lot of different things in my mm-hmm. life and, and that's good because I feel like, you know, I love doing this. I love working on this event. And then, then it's time to kind of move on because I want to do something else because I'm interested and I, and I can, like we yeah. all can. Right. And yeah. um I've always had the carpe diem mode though. um I forgot personal, but I was just talking about this, but unfortunately <laughs> I lost three of my brothers of the four and Whoa. I lost them when I was in my 20. 20- yeah. I'm so I, sorry. wow thank you. Yeah. I, you know, it was, you know, over 20 years ago, but it was, you know, I lost three of them a few years apart, and they were all young, like 27, 33. Doesn't really, you know, I won't go into all those details. But from the time I was 20 and younger, I I knew that life was short. So okay. it wasn't necessarily cancer that woke me up to that. And I think that's why I always like when I quit being a lawyer after three and a half years. People are like. Oh, but you did all the time in law school. I'm like, but it's all still in my head. (laughs) You you can't, you can't suck. Well, when I, you know, please take the property cases. I will give them back to you and the contracts, (laughs) but you know, it's, you know, the education is still there and the lessons I learned and how, you know, I can write lawyers pretty well and books. I've done that. You know, it's like it, every, every experience has led to, to the writing and it, um, yeah, you know, but yeah. I was actually talking about that
1: with somebody oh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I wish I could remember who now. And I was kind of lamenting. Like, I was like, yeah, I've like done all this weird stuff and I've gone to very, like I've done, I've taken all these weird classes and I've got all of these weird certificates. Like I'm a yes. life statistician. <laughs> like what? You know, like, I, like all of these things, like all of these things that you're just kind of like, wait, what are you? Who are you? And then somebody was like, yeah, you're a writer. And I was like, yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> I think there's a lot of yeah, a lot of writers. You see that, like it's funny, like it it amazes me how many lawyers write romance. Amazing. Yeah. Well, actually, it doesn't because you know law is about breaking things down or fighting against things, and it's it's kind of almost the opposite of like let's build something together, right? Um, and everybody has. So it's like it's fun because you can. I think we're sponges, right? If you're a writer, you're absorbing things as you go and you don't know necessarily when it's going to come in handy, but you're you're interested and you're curious. Yes. So you want that certificate and like, you know, just kill me if I lose that curiosity of like learning something new or wanting to try something new, right? Because yeah. that's what's what's so exciting about life and stories and, you know, um I did <laughs> You asked me, like, so Pacific Vista Ranch, if I may, if it's okay, I don't know if it's something we were to say, but, like, in terms of inspiration for the stories, I teach yoga to some um, private yoga clients, and um, they live in Rancho Santa Fe, which is this small, exclusive community in North San Diego County, and a lot of people don't even know it's there. It's, like, five miles from the ocean, you know, and so it's it's really close to me, but you drive in there, and it's all kind of hedges and gated homes and and everybody has horses Mm. so the whole place was kind of built the enclave was created back in the 20s the last 20s and everyone has like their own little mini ranch so you kind of have like these southern california really wealthy cowboys (laughs) because you you have it (laughs) and you're like it's kind of so it's not like a ranch somewhere else but it kind of is except you've got this. It's just it's just different than anywhere else. Like I call it like the Bel Air of Bel Air with horses, or the Hamptons with horses. You know, it's that kind of community. And so one of my clients, her daughter-in-law, is a horse breeding manager at this horse breeding ranch, like out in Bonzel, which is kind of close by. And I was like, God, that's so interesting that she does that. And I love horses, so I was like, this is so cool. So I ended up. That sort of sparked me, and I was like, "There's, there's hardly any women breeding managers. I mean, imagine the jokes with the title. <laughs> <gasps> oh, <laughs> you think about it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is really interesting, and so I went out to see Casey. She's like, "Oh, sure, I'll give you a tour." So I go out to this beautiful ranch, and they have you know, like a hundred mares, and they had had babies, so there's all these cute little foals and baby horses, and you know, they have one stallion. And uh, what was his name? Square Eddie. And there are horse farms all over the country. So like the ones who, you know, the thoroughbreds, and they pay a lot of money to get a piece of Big Eddie or Square Eddie. And I just thought it was—I was like, this is just really cool. So she's showing me everything, and the barns, and where they foal, and where they rehab the animals, and it's—it's you know, like 100 acres. It's just absolutely breathtaking. So she's telling me how the breeding operation works. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, well, you know, did any hot guys ever come to the ranch? Like I was trying to figure out how I could make a romance. So she keeps bringing me back to like the scientific stuff. I'm like, well, who actually comes here? She's like, well, we have a resident vet, but sometimes we'll have another vet come. She goes, or, you know, ranch hands, or she has assistants. But I was, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like figure out a story, right? Yeah. Um, Because the whole place and what she, I love that she was this, Strong woman who is succeeding and kicking butt in a woman in a man's world yes. or a man's. So I, I I like to write about women who defy expectations or you know kind of they don't matter. So she um she takes me into the breeding barn and there's this big thing that looks like (laughs) Tell, i know about this stuff i'm not really western this big thing (laughs) you know you go you know there's cowboy bars and you can ride the bull yeah mechanical bull it kind of looked like a mechanical bull and i'm like what's that she goes oh well that's the phantom mare and i'm like what and she said well yeah she goes you know we you know square eddie she goes we come and we bring him and he you know um has relations with the phantom mare. Oh my and God, it's like a sex doll for a horse. <laughs> well, it gets better. Oh. And then they, and they you know, but then they take that and then she has this whole lab in there and they cryo freeze it and it's overnight aesthetic thing and, and these these um horse farms pay like twenty five thirty five thousand dollars for mm-hmm. two doses and then they artificially inseminate the mares because they want that bloodline. So right. it was this whole world I was like this is fascinating. But then this is what clinched it for me. She I go, Well, is Eddie just ready for the Phantom Mare? And she said, Well, that's why we use the tease mare. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> she goes, She's like, Well, yeah, we have a tease mare who we um we uh you know who's in heat or whatever. And um Eddie gets like a little sniff and a gander and he gets excited and then we lead him over to the, I'm like, so you do a bait and switch, basically like <laughs> Oh my god! So, so the opening scene of Nobody Else But You, which would have been probably funny to give that to you to read if you haven't read it. The opening chapter is, you know, Samantha or Sam, who's my heroine. They're doing the the breeding thing, and um, so I had the tease mare, and what I ended up doing. They're an old Hollywood family, the McNeils, which is Uh who the Pacific Vista Ranch. Um, who've moved and taken over and doing this down in San Diego now, but um, this Hollywood stuntman guy comes because they want to film a movie on the ranch, and um, he comes in, and as they're doing it, and she's like, where's the cheese mare? And, and he's like, oh, where I come from, they call that a fluffer. <laughs> so she thinks he's a jerk, so this is an enemies to lover. so right away she's like, oh my god, really, do I have to hear this joke, you know what I mean, and but I had so much fun writing the first chapter. And then I named the tease mare after somebody. Okay, I'm not going to tell. I no, named the te- uh, Be careful, uh, people uh, in my past who've crossed me or done me wrong. Because you might have a fluffer horse named after you. <laughs> and I have to say, every time I'd read everything, I'd giggle. I'd be like, he, Christina, the tease mare. <laughs> and then I'd be like, <laughs> Yeah, it's that's like the we've got right. (laughs) Yeah. So so yeah. So I got you know motivated with that, and and the thing that's fun is that this series, you know, Amanda, the older sister, is the equine vet, and then Sam has a twin sister, Dylan, which is in the third book, and she loves the horses, but she's an artist, so she's a painter, and we have Paris, and so it's. You know they're contemporary steamy romance. There's an, you know, if you love horses, you're gonna love them, and okay. you know that ranch. But they're not true westerns. Like it's not a cowboy western. It's not a, if that makes sense. So it's yeah, sort of, it does. Um, it does. It's it's uh, a, a little bit different. But yeah, that um, that was my inspiration was Casey doing that, and then I ended up building this whole world out of, you know, the breeding ranch and. You know, because I just still, I still giggle when I'm like, hee hee, tease yeah. I me.
1: Mean, <laughs> that's a fantastic story, and I just really learned something. So
0: <laughs> I hope was, you like, wrote that
1: educational.
0: <laughs> I hope you wrote that down.
1: I, I absolutely did, especially Square Eddie with his tease mirror. I just love
0: it. <laughs> uh, anyway, make this shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said. You never know where inspirations. um, gonna hit and uh yeah so I'm curious now with writing
1: your steamy scenes yes do you remember writing the very first one like when you okay so maybe back it up a minute but when you started writing romance did you know that you were going to write you it was all going to be on the page or were you thinking oh maybe I'll close the door maybe I'll write sweet or were you always like nope full steam ahead literally (laughs) Full,
0: full steam ahead I, um, I, I like, like, I like, um, steam, you know, I I kind of write what I like to read and, um, you know, I like open door. I like it steamy, but I don't like it. Um, there's some that goes too far and I think it's a language thing of, to me, I feel like I don't want to read like a penthouse letter or whatever those things are. You know what I mean? I, I don't want it to feel... What's the word? You know what I mean. Like I want it to be steamy and, and passionate and there, but I don't want it to sound crude. Is okay. that maybe that's the word? Does that make sense? Yeah, like, that makes sense. Yeah. You know. Um, so uh, yeah, but yeah, sweet. No, I. I mean, I'm sure I could write it, but I. By that time, I'm excited. I want to write the steamy scene. By the time I get them there. <laughs>
1: Do you remember writing your very first one? Like, what was that for you? Was it just like, ah, it's just another scene. Or was there a little bit of hesitation or,
0: um, you know, no, there wasn't really hesitation. It was just, um, it was, it wasn't like I had to kind of like everything else I had to write it all down. And then I looked at it and was awful. And then I had to go through and kind of remember, I was like, okay, I need the sensations. Like Mm -hmm. what's the smell of the skin or, you know, the taste or how smooth or silky or not, you know what I mean? The texture, like kind of getting, um, going through and making sure that I was really weaving in um, all the senses into it. Uh And then also realizing that it didn't have to be, like full sentences, you know, that you could play with the rhythm of the words to play with the rhythm of the scene. So if it's like a tender, slow, like maybe, like, I usually in those books, there's, let's say there's three open door scenes, right? Um, Three different sex scenes, like each one for me are they're showing some different stage in their relationship, not right. just a different position. Like, okay, mm-hmm. we have the shower, we have, you know, the rug. <laughs> like, I mean, in in the wonder of you, which I gave you, I'm like, okay, we have the shower, we have the hot tub, we have the bearskin rug, we have the couch. We have, they were snowed in. I mean, it was a while, but um, <laughs> you know, um, that they're learning about each other, or their relationship's gone to a new level where maybe it's not just this hot, passionate attraction that's chemistry. That they're like, oh, we've got way deeper emotions here. And trying to show that through them making love. um, That makes sense.
1: So do you, well, I guess the first question would be, are you a plotter or a pantser?
0: I think I'm kind of, I saw the word like a, is it plantster? Yeah, (laughs) a plantster, yeah. (laughs) I can't, I can't um, plot in too much detail in the sense of I have author friends who have outlines where they've got like every scene and they know what it is and, you know, kind of written out what each scene is before they even start writing the book. I can't do that. Um, I use beats more often. So kind of like romancing the beat by um, Gwen Stein or that type of thing, or even, um, you know, kind of knowing each character's arc and where they need to go. I usually start with, um, I have the framework, like I know how I'm going to, op- I know how it's going to open. And then I know a couple big turning points, you know, right. that are going to happen in the middle of the book. So, you know, so it keeps getting interesting and it keeps escalating. And then I generally know what the dark moment's going to be and kind of how I'm going to pull everything back together. But I find that, um, if I get, too, like I said, if I get too detailed and exactly how I'm going to get through point A to point B I get frozen Mm, okay so if if I know I want to get them to point B I might just start writing you know oh this might work and then I'm like ah, it doesn't work because sometimes they just want to do like you think you have the characters figured out and you you think this all makes sense and then they want to do something else than what you thought they wanted to do if that makes sense when they know
1: it does it does because I know when I'm writing my characters I I you know, no matter how deep I think I'm going into some sort of, like, you know, character building, character descriptions and backgrounds and all of that, mm-hmm. when I end up actually writing them, it, something comes out that I hadn't even thought about. Yes. And I'm like, oh. Oh, and it kind of can't, you know, sometimes it changes the whole trajectory of the story.
0: (laughs) Well, that's why I think it's like loosely like if I, you know, I understand the characters well. So it's like when I'm writing and I write in dual point of view and, you know, I try to be in each one of their head as I'm writing their scene, you know, and um, I know I need to get them to, you know, in The Wonder of You, they kiss on New Year's Eve. I know I need to get them to this kiss and I might not know every single way that's going to happen, but I know that's where they're going to end up. So I I try to kind of write, if that makes sense. So, yeah, but I don't just like start writing a story without having any clue what's going to happen. Like I know what I want to happen. So maybe like a, you know, on the, on the big picture, and I might have a couple scenes in my head, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, you know, Um, where, okay, I know this is going to happen three quarters of the way through, or I know these two characters really need to get in the shower together, or <laughs> something like that. Um, and I don't know. It's just um, I feel like if I know the characters enough and I know kind of what I'm doing, where I want the story to go, it'll come to me. I mean, Sometimes I end up having to rewrite it and it doesn't necessarily work, but I don't know if it's going to work or not until I write it. Right. makes sense. It does. It does.
1: So do you have a process when you're writing your steamy scenes, or is it just like any other day at the computer?
0: No, I definitely have to, (laughs) it's not cliche, I just have to be in the mood. Um, I, (laughs) and not going to lie, my husband has benefited from that sometimes. I'll be like, I'll come in from writing, I'm like, go to our room now. (laughs) He's like, okay, uh, yeah, well, let's go. Um, but uh, but um, sometimes, I'll, I'm not going to lie, in my book, Sorry. I'll be writing. <laughs> we have to talk to you after about something, but okay, keep going. All right. um, but chronologically, if it's chronologically and it comes up and I'm just not in the headspace to write it, because again, it's like a different the patterns of the words I have to be really in that emotional flowy kind of thing to write it properly so sometimes I'll be writing and then I'll be like uh sexy sexy kissy kissy here in like all caps and I'll highlight it and I'll go on and keep writing what I'm writing and then I have to go back and fill it in I've done that probably with every book at least one of the sex scenes because you know it just that's just what ends up happening
1: yeah, sometimes, sometimes, like, for a while, I was doing a lot of writing on commutes um, into New York City, <laughs> which could get very long, and, you know, I'm sorry, but you're on the train, you got your laptop open, and there's, like, some rando dude sitting next <laughs> to you, and you're just like, are you looking at what I'm writing? And, yeah, it's exactly.
0: It's exactly. really hard to write something intimate, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah, I, no, I definitely, you know... Um... I I can't write with music. I like to listen to music before. Music gets me in different moods. But when I'm writing, I have to have quiet. Okay. So, um, you know, sometimes I'm just like in in a nice, quiet little spot and I can focus on it. But, um, yeah, I can't do it just on command or if it just happens to be that I get to the chapter where I know I'm doing that, I have to kind of mentally... G- gird my loins. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I, I wanted—I really wanted to use that phrase in a sentence. <laughs> and you had your opportunity.
1: Look at this. <laughs> so I just just wanted to take a minute talking about tropes because you've got—I mean—I yes. just kind of love how when I was looking at your at your different series and I was like, okay, she embraces the tropes like it's there in your titles it's there like you embrace the tropes and I love it because tropes are awesome
0: um do you have a favorite I do um I love enemies to lovers um so nobody else but you and then wrapped up with you which is the Christmas novella um with like an office rivals enemies to lovers uh, because I love um I love dialogue and banter and I love snark. You know, I don't want them to be jerks. I don't want them to argue with each other and just be, you know, it's not bickering, but it's more of that playful banter where there's a little bit of that sexual undertone. We've all had that, you know, that person where you're like you worked with or knew them from some class or whatever, where you were always kind of like, there's that kind of joking and there's that attraction, but you're like, oh God, he's kind of a jerk, but I can't help myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Bantering with them. And, um, so I, li- I like that and I like the, um, cause that kind of banter and that intense, you know, like, Oh God, I can't stand him or he's so pompous or, Oh, she's such a little brat or real you know, or whatever it is. There's always a passion underneath that. Right. So right. it's fun to, um, uncover that. So that, that's fun. And I, I really like second chances as well. Okay. Probably,
1: I'm guessing for a similar reason then, because that sort of mm-hmm. there's a similar thread that runs through the enemies to lovers and the second chance, because usually yep. there, you know, there's a breakup preceding the first, you know, from the first, yes. Count, yes, which is kind of interesting, right? Yeah, I just really loved how like you just seem so playful with the tropes, and I was like, yeah, that's really cool, um, because I kind of struggle with conflict in my own romance sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a background, my, my first books that I wrote were urban fantasy. So it's kind of hard for me to sort of leave the, leave that behind when I'm writing conflict, like conflict to me is like, let's blow something up. (laughs) (laughs)
0: that's kind of sexy, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> shooting something. Let's you know, blow I, up
0: the bad guys and yeah. go do it against the wall.
1: <laughs> so like, you know, but, in, but I've really been kind of forcing myself not to lean on that and to sort of look yeah. at the, you know, the interpersonal struggles between the characters and all of that. And, you know, somebody, it was like this epiphany, like, well, you know, tropes are your friend, and I was like,
0: oh. well, that you know, I didn't really understand them. Like when I first started, I mean, you, you kind of do them because that that's just part of a romance. And I didn't yeah. really realize what that all meant. And, and, um, you know, the wonder of you is a friends to lovers, and that was the first time I've written that. And that was a little bit more difficult for me because there is inherently less conflict, right? Because they're already friends, like in, they like in, each other. yeah. And they, you know, they've been lifelong friends, childhood friends, they had each other's back. So the conflict more is like, you know, if you watch, you know, Seinfeld, you know, sex always messes up the friendship. Like we can handle it, but you can't. Right. You know? And um, so it's like this person has always had my back. Like I've got a few people in my corner that I know I've been able to count on my whole life. Like if we succumb to this attraction, like where did that come from? You know, this attraction that popped up, what if things get weird? And then I don't have my lifelong confidant, you know, so that plays into it. But it's that's not enough either, you know. So it was interesting to kind of play with it, Um, whereas like and I don't like to rely too much on external conflict. Like I'm not going to be like, OK, he's going to save the ranch because they're going to go into bankruptcy and she's going to come and build the condos because she needs the money for her dying sister, sorry, I'm not, I don't mean to denigrate that, but you know what I mean, where it's, where it's such a almost contrived external conflict. You know, there's a, I think a fine line between like, okay, you know, who's going to win that. And then they have to play in there. You, you need some external conflict obviously to, to work, but I think where it gets interesting and juicy in stories and where you start relating to things is where, where it is more personal you know what I mean um so so yeah that was that's interesting um even though we do you know adding some kind of time crunch like this has to be figured out that's why I think stories would are really fun or like when people have a secret fling or you know okay we're just going to do this for two weeks. Cause I'm moving away. You know, then you've got that burning, you know, ticking clock. Right. And what's going to happen. Like, that's a fun way, I think, to add conflict that doesn't feel too contrived, mm-hmm. but it definitely gives, you know, gives urgency to it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Anyway. Um, so since we're, we're talking about the
1: wonder of you um, let's dive into that steamy scene. Can you set this up for us before we start reading?
0: Um, the scene or the story?
1: Uh, the scene. Story. Yeah, like where are we in the story? And
0: <laughs> okay, wait, I'm having a brain fart. Which scene did I send you? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's their first.
1: It it's the first time that we have um we have uh, Grant and um oh my God, I just lost her name.
0: Olivia. 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 And, then, and then the hot tub. They are they in the hot tub? Or are they on the they're on the rug, and yeah, it's the, the rug. It's,
1: the, it's like the first time that they're going to do this. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I apologize. I've just gotten so excited. We've been chatting, and I like oh, it went right out my brain. So, um, basically, you know, they've been childhood best friends. They get snowed in together up in Mammoth Mountain, and um, it's New Year's Eve, and sparks fly. So, um, basically they both been fighting this attraction to each other because they're like, no, this is my, you know, they were like the three musketeers in high school with their other friend who is not in the scene, is not involved in this. (laughs) It's Um, not a menage. (laughs) No, no. He's, he's off elsewhere with another person, but, um, no, it is definitely not. But, uh, they, um, finally like their new year's Eve, they're snowed in and they're just like, Oh, what the hell? Why are we fighting this? You know, and Livy's got an opportunity to move abroad for a year. So they're like, she's leaving in a couple months, even if it's awkward. Who cares? Let's just do it because it's just too good. Let's go for it. And that's pretty much where they are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So we're just going to go for it. Um, here we go. So this is from Olivia's point of view, by the way. She returned to the main room and Grant stood at the kitchen island, shoveling in a piece of pizza. He wore his gray sweats low on his hips, emphasizing the perfect V's of muscle leading down there. His hair was slicked back from his square-jawed jaw fi- face and his sculpted chest was bare. Damn! She'd seen him without a, without a shirt hundreds of times, but now it was an enti- through an entirely different lens. The hot guy-I-want-to-jump-your-bones lens. She sucked in a deep breath because because that body of his tempted her to swoop, swoop, not swoop, swoop. (laughs) (laughs) I loved how I actually loved this setup. And I thought that it was sort of like really great. It was like a really fantastic setup because we're seeing her. Seeing him for the first time in this way, um, which I thought was really cool, and I liked, I liked that moment. I liked having that moment and sort of like being in that, right in that moment with her.
0: Yeah, there, you know, the lenses have definitely changed. Yeah. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And it was sort of like, I was just kind of, I don't know. I think I was like really in awe of being able to see him through her eyes because I don't know that I've really experienced that completely when Mm -hmm. I've, um, when I've read books, I just, you know, I, I'm, and I'm not sure what, what you did there to make it that way, but I was like, that's really kind of cool.
0: Cool. Thank you
1: you know, and looking, looking at him through these new, new eyes at the same time, which was really kind of amazing. I was like, oh, I like that. And i liked how it set up whatever, it, you know, what, what is going to come next, which we're going to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're jumping down a little bit. Um, they have, uh, they have, I think at this point, yeah, at this point, they've just kissed. It's a deep kiss. It's a crazy kiss. He lays her down by the fire on the rug. Okay. He sat back on his knees, tugged her sweatshirt off, tossing it across the room. He leaned down and his gaze swept along her bare torso. She shivered under his perusal, her nipples tightening, her center melting. You are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. His eyes hooded and he descended. His lips brushed along her collarbone, traveling to one shoulder and across to the other, leaving a trail of goosebumps. Her back arched up to meet him. His mouth traveled across her skin and captured one breast, teasing and biting her aching nipples. Desire surged through her, quick and intense. Every inch of you is perfect. He continued down her body, licking and scraping his teeth lightly along her hip bones, setting her to trembling and moaning again. Her hips bucked and he reached down with one hand and slowly dragged her sweats down, following the path with his sensual kisses. Olivia dug her hands into his hair and rocked her hips against him. His mouth was wicked, talented, hot. She couldn't get enough. His powerful hands clasped her hips, lifting her and sliding her pants off. He knelt between her legs, pressed feather-like kisses up her thigh, nuzzling the tender skin, and switched his attention to her other leg, teasing her. Grant, if he didn't kiss her where she needed him right now, she'd die felt like that too. I was like, he's gonna, I'm gonna die too if he doesn't kiss her where she needs him (laughs) to. Again, like just like before, like I really felt like I was right in this moment. It was so evocative.
0: So funny. Like it's like writing it and then reading it and then hearing you read it out loud. Like I my I am blushing if you can believe that's possible, but I am just like oh my god I wrote that. Well, what is kind of like what, what I'm kind of curious? Like, are you like, oh, that's no, I like, I was like, oh, I you know it's, I'm just very visual. So I don't know, hearing it for some reason, I'm like, hee hee hee. I was like, well, that's kind of naughty. <laughs> 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 um, but. I, yeah. do think, I do think, so
1: when we're writing them, like we know, obviously we know it's naughty, but I don't think that it sort of, I don't think it hits how naughty it is until you actually hear it.
0: <laughs> no, it does. it's like, you know how there's certain words that you know, like you know them because you're a reader and then you try to say them out loud and you can't pronounce them. Like there was, I don't know, there was something, it was like uh, D-E-A-R-T-H. How do you pronounce that? D-E-A-R-T-H? Yeah, Darth, but like every time I'd always read it, I was like Darth. And then I was like Darth and it's like it's like you, it just is different. It's a different experience. <laughs> right. And this is the, this is very similar. <laughs> so hearing it out loud, I'm like, "Oh." Because like I get like I said visually like I see it and I'm writing it and I'm like, "Ooh, ah, this is, you know, building up for them." And um yeah, Grant Grant Grant's a good hero. We like Grant. Yeah, I, think, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know,
1: I did like, I did like that there was a real economy of language here, um, that this is like, it, it felt like super focused, you know, um, there was no tangent, there was no, you know, like we are, we are in this, we are in the sex scene and we are going there, we are going, we are going, we're going, and, you know, but at the same time, we're still we're still having the same, we're, we're still reading or feeling the sensations that, you know, that she's experiencing. Yeah. Which I thought was really, um, really, really cool. I, I don't know. It's just, it really struck me like that because I know sometimes being in the sex scene and some, and then you kind of go into like, I don't know, I'll kind of weave into something else and take and yeah. go out of the sex scene. And so to be able to, I don't
0: know, I guess it's trusting yourself. You and just gotta me. stay in it. You can't go well, out. No distraction. I mean, yeah. I think, like I try to write a deep point of view so much, so I'm like, if 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 it was me and I'm writing it from a point of view and I'm thinking about something else, I'm not in it. And, right. and if he's doing what he's doing, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I get, you know, like it was just, and there was no. There was no self-doubt here. There was, on her part, there was, you know, particularly because they were friends and she was kind of worried about that. And then once they got there, though, there was absolutely no self-doubt. And she was just like, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm going to die if he doesn't kiss me where I need to. You know? And I thought that was really kind of an amazing kind of turn for her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one more little bit. Okay. He groaned and slid home in one stroke. He filled her to bursting, her body welcoming his thick, solid length. She wrapped her legs around his waist and pulled him closer, deeper. They found their rhythm smooth and unhurried as if they'd done this countless times before. He gripped her ass and tilted her up to meet him, and the intensity of their connection rippled through her. When he caught a tender spot her neck a tender spot on her neck in a love bite, she gripped him tighter, urging, urged him on. They moved faster, harder, deeper, until the climax built, and she burst in a myriad of starlight, and he cried her name and fell over the edge with her. Oh, my God. <laughs> that last line, she burst into a myriad of starlight, and he cried her name and fell over the edge with her.
0: Well, that's, that's pretty good. One, isn't I, was pretty, <laughs> I was like, well, that's pretty good. I wrote that? Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I like it.
1: That's good. <laughs> I think, it you know, and sort of ju- ju- juxtaposed to, like, all the dirty that was going on, like, we're, like, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, yeah. you, like, sort of have that, you know, that sort of, like, building and climax and sex and sex and sex. And then, boom, is sort of, like, that, that romantic end to the scene um, was just absolutely stunning
0: thank you like I, I think that's what I was trying to say before in terms of like language of writing it of like making it passionate and romantic and I mean you know using like ass or like you know whatever but like there's different words in there but where it, it's definitely sexual and it's definitely blatant but not like crude like trying to keep the romance in there if that makes sense so yeah. Yeah. Where it's where it's just I don't know, like trying to make it beautiful. Like, OK, that was a beautiful release, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I was trying to do anyway. So um, yeah, that sentence is pretty good. I forgot about that. Wow. Oh, I, that pat myself off the back. <laughs> I pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so and you know, and I also loved, I mean, you know, the like I said, there's an economy of language here, like you weren't wasting any time in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like there was no wasted time, there was no wasted moment, and there was really no wasted word, which I i like I thought it was really like just a really tight, um, well written scene that was very, very sexy. Thank you. You're welcome. So going ooh, over.
0: Ooh, well it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's that for a midday break? <laughs> you know, everybody go back to your regular
1: scheduled programming.
0: <laughs> right. right. So Claire, what do you have coming up? What is coming up for you? So um, I have a couple things this year. The um, There are two more. Grant is one of the stepbrothers of the McNeil family with the Pacific Vista Ranch. And I'm going to step away from the ranch Um, to do a spinoff series starting with his two brothers and it's going to be called California suits and it's um, five guys. So the two brothers and then the three best friends and they're a band of brothers type of thing. They're super tight and they're going to open a string of luxury boutique hotels in different places in California. So La Jolla, Beverly Hills, Palm Springs, Monterey and wine country And, you know, each story is set in that place and each guy kind of gets, you know, so there's Hotel King is the name of the first one, but then it's Wine Country King. Um, So sort of um, stepping away from the ranch because uh, Ryan and Grant's um, mom is married to the McNeil stepdad. That's part of the whole story there. But they it's not tied to the ranch anymore, but it's still that California little bit of a little more glamour aspect to it um and then I am writing um a story another Pacific Vista Ranch but this will be a novella um I did an anthology called the Jingle Balls Anthology last year with um I think uh, yeah with 12 there was 20 of us authors we hit the USA Today list yay and raised money for testicular cancer this year we're doing an anthology and we named it tinsel and Tatas, um, and it's for breast cancer, as you might imagine. And, um, and we're actually, the beneficiary is young survival coalition who I worked with uh, quite a bit, who um, they really focus on the needs of women like under the age of 45 who are diagnosed with breast cancer, which wow. is unfortunately higher and higher. I've met so many women who are diagnosed in their late twenties and thirties and it's just just awful because, you know, imagine being single (laughs) and then having your boobs lopped off and going through all kinds of things and possibly fertility issues and then trying to date from there. You know, it's very different than being, you know, in your older years. Not that it's ever a good time to get cancer, but there's a different set of issues, right? Um,
1: Do you, I mean, not to interrupt, but I'm curious, do they know why suddenly there's a bigger influx of, or is it just that screening has gotten better?
0: Uh, no, I think it's really, um, I think it's really environmental. Um, I think it's, you know, the chemicals that are in the food around us, the air, all of that kind of thing. Um, maybe there's a tie to birth control. I'm I'm not quite sure, but, but anyway, Young Survival Coalition is a great group and they provide so many resources, especially where it's so shocking to go through this at, you know, I was 40 when I went through it, which was bad enough, but to be 28, you know, um, so anyway, I'm doing a story with um Holt is the hero, the smart-ass stuntman who made the fluffer joke in you know, oh, yeah. but yes. <laughs> he has a he has a younger sister Jenny who um is from Colorado and his mom had breast cancer. So that. that is part of the story. So Jenny's going to come to California and open a horse rescue ranch type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have her story tied to the ranch for the anthology, and then later release it as a novella. So that's kind of what's up. Oh, that's fantastic. So how many, you are pretty prolific. How many books a year do you get out? It's, you know, it's turning out to about three. Um, okay. I did, I did write a standalone last year. That's really close to my heart. It's actually the heroine gets diagnosed with breast cancer the day before her 30th birthday. And, wow. um, and it's a big story kind of of hope. And she goes off to Paris, which is my favorite place. And then the rest of it's in mm-hmm. San Francisco and there's a romance, but it's a lot of her journey and her arc. She was an up and coming chef who was about to get a cooking show and, you know, all kinds of things there. And that, um, that I'm pitching to agents, um, you know, hoping to perhaps get a traditional deal for that because that's not gotcha. like a one and done story. Um, right. so I wrote that last year as well, but it didn't come out. Okay. So, um, um, but yeah, about, I would say three books and a novella. Wow. That's a good, out. Mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, but I see these other people who are like, they're like a book a month. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how they do it. Yeah.
1: I don't know how people do that either. Yeah. I'm lucky to get three, three out a year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's yeah. that That sort of output is kind of mind blowing to me. I think they're shorter books. I mean, my, mine tend to be on the long side, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, 90,000 words or so. Okay. So. You know, that's true. I think if yeah. you ha- if you write, you know, 50,000 words, you know, that's that's I've got two books, you know, in, in yeah. one. So it, that makes it a little bit easier,
0: but still, <laughs> no, I thought, no, my standalone was 83,000. And then these books, like the Pacific, Vista Ranch are about um, between 65 and 70,000. Yeah. So, you know,
1: there's a real talent to writing short. I have to say, I can't do it.
0: I can't write as long as, Well, you know what you said kind of with tight? Like, I um, I try to write as tight as I can. Yeah. So, but again, that's, you know, I think it's just style.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, I've tried to, you know, and but I always feel like... I don't know, I always feel... I, I think... I tend toward the towards a bit more towards the epic. Like I always try and simplify sure, my I stories, you know. <laughs> no, I <laughs> if love I that. I my story, I could get it done in sixty thousand words. You
0: know? But no, but if it, you have to write the length of what your story calls for. Yeah.
1: It. Yeah, and you know, but I just kind of love layering the pro la- layering and the problems. I mean, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite thing. Let me just fuck up all mm-hmm. my characters. I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Claire, yeah. where can we find you on the internet?
0: Um, Hopefully just the places that I tell you, not some strange spot that I didn't know about, but um, <laughs> my, you know, my website is clairemarty.com and that, you know, I've got all my books by series where you can read excerpts from the book. You can see the reviews and the awards that they've garnered. Um, I'm on Instagram as at Claire P Marty. I'm on, um, Facebook. You can just find me at Claire Marty author. And I've got that page there. I'm also part of a group called the romance chicks party palooza that I believe, uh, Kate Bateman, who you um, interviewed a few weeks ago, she's in there with me as well. And there's 12, 12 of us, 13 of us, romance authors, all genres. So contemporary paranormal historical, and it's a, fun group where we do giveaways and interactions and stuff. So I'm, I'm over there as well.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Cool. And I will have links to all of this and more, um, in the show notes for anybody who wants to look up more information.
0: Claire, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. This was fun. It was super fun. (laughs) talk your ear off I know well you're I kind of hope you'll be one of my new best friends because you're really fun
1: oh thank you <laughs> we, I would love can can we that hang out? yes <laughs> let's hang out yes
0: yes okay
1: I hope you enjoyed the episode sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks and don't forget to five star us on apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts thanks for listening see you next time